What's up, everybody? Anthony Cadenza with the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you here. Happy Monday to you all. A little bit later on Monday than usual that we are taking the air, but better late than never. Uh, sometimes we do it on Tuesday, too, but we're doing it Monday now, and we are going to get you caught up on all kinds of things with the Cincinnati Bengals and a lot of draft talk. A lot of draft talk. We may have some big news from this show standpoint and from Cincy Jungle standpoint, and we'll get to that uh, later this week. We're going to finalize some things with that, but uh, we'll let you know if there is indeed some cemented news that we are uh, we are currently working on. But happy to be with you again. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Orange and Black Insider is the name of this show, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. You can get the audio versions of all of the Cincy Jungle podcasts on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. So get it on your favorite streamer. Leave a review for us if you could. That would be awesome. And you can also, if you like the video format, we're on YouTube, obviously. If you're tuning in live there, click that little icon down at the corner, the bottom corner there, and subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And, of course, all of your Bengals news, information, opinions, analysis, commentary, etc. is on CincyJungle.com. And go ahead and give the Facebook page of Cincy Jungle a like as well, because you can get the live streams and videos afterward from there, too. At any rate, uh, let's get going with a lot of different pieces of news with the... Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to queue up a lot of Cincy Jungle news that we got via some other sources in which we will cite as well. We've got some other news surrounding the AFC North from some of our uh, SB Nation sites within the network there. And of course, the official websites. And then, of course, we will look at some NFL news, just kind of going around, taking a spin around the league centering around the Bengals and going outward from there. So when you return to the office, when you're hanging out with friends, maybe if you're celebrating the holiday this weekend, you can let folks know how in tune you are with things around the league and sound like the smartest lady or gentleman at your respective celebration, workplace, whatever. All right, let's get going. This one is something we talked about a little bit last week, John Sheeran and myself, you know about it, but there's been more and more headway building on this. This is about the Cincy Jungle, or Cincy Jungle, this is on Cincy Jungle. This is about the Cincinnati Bengals building an indoor practice facility. So we we talked about this and they're, they're making more and more headway. Here is the link to the website. And then uh, now you've got, you know, they were actively working on an indoor practice facility. Um, and now per the Cincinnati Inquirer, the team is requesting approval to construct an interim facility. So they're getting going on this pretty quickly. Um, and then of course the plan here, as you, as you see in the article, the plan would be to put a, a bubble directly Southwest of Paul Brown stadium and the adjacent practice fields between the Brent Spence bridge and Clay Wade Bailey Bridge in time for the start of the 22 season. So they are moving on this thing and trying to get something going, even an interim one before they build the official one, what have you. But they're trying to get something going here and have that ready for the regular season. Good on the Bengals, good on their ownership to get this 
finally going. This has been something that fans have been clamoring for for a long time and really just continues to build upon a new reputation over the past couple of years of new Bengals, a, a new direction for the franchise, obviously coming off a Super Bowl appearance and hopefully more to come under Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor and company. But they are now actively working on an indoor practice facility and they are uh, at least right now working on an interim thing and hoping to have something in place by the 22 season so good on them and that's uh, some news we already kind of knew about but starting to make more and more headway here going forward let's keep it rolling here this is this is something I kind of feel like I got a little bit of egg on my face here because you know when we talked about on the draft previews and whatnot, when we talked about some different prospects, we talked about Trey McBride and, and other prospects here. You know, we, we mentioned about, oh, you know, Mitchell Wilcox is set to uh, be a free agent after the 22 season and whatnot. I had researched that and some sources had said, well, he was an exclusive rights free agent, hadn't signed his deal. Um, some others I looked, I, I believe it was either Spotrack or Over the Cap. And they had noted that there was a contract in place there. And so there's just kind of some conflicting reports. So uh, he has officially, did Mitchell Wilcox, re-signed with the Bengals. He tested the free agent market, but he is back with the Bengals. And so now he joins officially Hayden Hurst, Scotty Washington, the converted wide receiver uh, who has now moved into. He kind of did. He's doing what a lot of folks wanted Auden Tate to do, turn that big wide receiver build and body into a tight end role. That's what he's trying to transition to. You've got Drew Sample, you've got Thad Moss, and then Nick Eubanks, the uh, kind of journeyman, young tight end out of Michigan that the Bengals signed recently here. So that's another one there. But uh, look, the the Bengals are probably going to get a player in the draft somewhat within the first, I would assume within the first three rounds, probably if not then in the first four rounds. They've got Hayden Hurst on a one-year deal. You've got Will Cox here. Drew Samples entering a contract year. Thad Moss, um, I believe, is as well. Did some research on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the tight end needs a little bit of talent in flux, but they also have a lot of contract questions coming up in the group. So, uh, at any rate, Will Cox is a guy that they like, and they they envision him being a, a guy on special teams, maybe a backup reserve tight end. We'll see if he can kind of carve out a a bigger niche for himself on offense this year. But Mitchell Wilcox is officially back with the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of some differing news on that front between, you know, is he, is he back? Has he signed a deal or has he not? We're not really sure. At any rate, he is back and signed by the Bengals. Now another big signing and we're going to kind of do some news and then we're going to kind of do a little bit more draft central news draft centric news as it goes with the Cincinnati Bengals and some updates there here is as we know now or at least many of you know now a good signing and one that is light on the checkbook the salary cap etc and just one of those role player signings those backup signings a player that really stepped up and helped the team out in an aspect that has plagued them for years and years and years and that is helping to cover athletic pass catching tight ends for years under Marvin Lewis, even under Zach Taylor, even before Marvin Lewis tight ends routinely gashed the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And a guy like Trey flowers helped minimize that, especially down the stretch when he joined the C- the Bengals mid season waved by the foul, uh, the Seahawks rather 
was a guy that they counted on as a starting corner, just was not, unfortunately, not cutting the mustard in that role. But the Bengals found a nice niche for him where he was kind of playing inside and using his size, his length, and really excelled covering slot receivers, tight ends, et cetera, kind of shorter areas of the field. Obviously, the Seahawks have that mold that they like out of their corners, long, tall, physical guys. Flowers is that. But he's a guy that now is um, working with the Bengals defense and working with Lou Anarumo and covering tight ends and whatnot. So this is a, this is a good deal for the Bengals, a one-year deal per Doug Kied, a, a pro football focus NFL insider, one-year $1.85 million deal with the Bengals, signing bonus of 500000 and um, there's playing time incentives to get it to $2.6 million. I would assume, especially not only because of what opposing offenses are, are trying to do in today's NFL, but also with what he did as a Bengals defender late in the season, he's probably going to see more snaps next year, I would assume, in some role. Again, like tight end, the Bengals are probably going to use a high pick on cornerback to get a boundary corner still You've got now, you've got Awuzier, you brought back Eli Apple, you brought back um, Trey Flowers here, and then, of course, you, you know, you've know you got others in the fold here, but the Bengals need some cornerback talent. Darius Phillips went to, I believe it was the Raiders, and you know, you've know you got you've got some other uh, issues at that position group, but still, you're bringing back a lot of the guys that helped you out on a defense that got you to a Super Bowl. And this is one of those role role players that is a valuable role player. Again, one year, $1.85 million deal, $500,000 signing bonus can get, if he hits incentives and whatnot, the deal can max out at 2.6 million for the one year. So good on the Bengals. This, this has been in the works for a little bit based on some of the rumors I had read and heard that, that they were working on this deal for a little bit. They had to kind of come to an agreement on numbers and whatnot. And so they finally did. So now Trey Flowers officially back with the Bengals, good move on them and good to see him back on the defense last week when we went through the happening headlines we talked about the uh, Paul Sparling the guy who'd been with the Bengals for I believe it was three decades stepping down as the head athletic trainer a guy that has been with the team for a long time and kudos to the Bengals we if you tuned in last week to our, our Wednesday night show with John and myself. And of course, why wouldn't you have the Bengals were just really, really using an innovative approach and using uh, data and technology to see if, and when certain players, particularly in the summer months needed breaks, rest, et cetera, to really save them, preserve them from an injury standpoint later in the year. So now uh, the Bengals are bringing in Matt Summers. He is going to be their new head athletic trainer. Um, and uh, Duke Tobin was one of the guys instrumental in hiring the new athletic trainer here. And um, he is going to be the athletic trainer emeritus it is sparling. So he will still probably be around here. So again, we've got um, Matt Summers, new athletic trainer, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's the quote from Duke Tobin quote, after conducting an extensive search process, we're excited to have Matt join the Bengals as our new director of sports medicine and head athletic trainer. Matt's experience in the NFL and college athletics has prepared him for this leadership role. Matt has a tremendous reputation and is known for his ability to build strong connections with the athletes he works with. 
We pride ourselves on providing elite medical care and look forward to the role Matt will play in continuing this high standard end quote. Worked recently with the University of Louisville and also with the San Diego Chargers. Um, worked also with uh, K- Kentucky and Arkansas as well. So uh, been around a little bit, and now this is obviously kind of his most high-profile position and a guy the Bengals seem to be very excited about joining their team there. And um, you can see more about that on bangles.com. So please do. I will pin this article and the link to bangles.com will be in that Cincy Jungle article here. Like that like that uh, move there. I think, you know, the Bengals are hiring a good one there. And uh, I assume they're going to continue the same practices that they used last year to hopefully preserve their roster in terms of an injury standpoint and whatnot, because that worked wonders for them and was a big, big key to them getting to the Super Bowl last year. Let's keep it rolling here. There are a couple of NFL insiders that seem to be guys that just really, really try and favor the Bengals or really have a continuous complimentary. Uh, you can hear my, my little one crying in the background, can't you? Isn't that, isn't that fun? Um, you can see here there are a couple of different NFL insiders that are really always kind of lauding the Bengals. Peter Schrager, even before this year and the Bengals going to the Super Bowl, Peter Schrager of the NFL Network is a guy that has always continued to praise the Bengals, praise their direction, really was a big Joe Burrow guy. And on uh, the NFL Network morning show that he is on uh, with Kay Adams, who was also a, a big figure in the Bengals Super Bowl run. Peter Schrager says that the AFC North is the Bengals to lose. And I guess it's not necessarily hot take central, but you can see here there is a, a, a really cool, and this is from our buddy Zim Hude, who pinned the the uh, video here, but quote, last year the Bengals absolutely owned the Ravens, and until the Ravens can cut that from a 20-point game to at least a one-score game, I'm not really keeping them in the same conversation. This is the Bengals division right now. This was a big turning point for me, and I think for a lot of Bengals fans, those who cover the team, etc. When the Bengals beat up on the Steelers the first time in Pittsburgh, and they beat them by multiple possessions, that was eye-opening. And that was eye-opening coming off of that bad loss to Chicago. That was an eye-opening win. That was a franchise turning point win. That was a season turning point win, that first one against the Steelers. Then you had the big one in, uh, you know, in Baltimore where Chase had that, uh, he, he put him in a blender. Remember that, that quote there. So there were a couple of those there and those, those four games, really, you can see here the quote from Peter Schrager on good morning football again. Sorry for that break there. I had my other son knocking on the door while I'm doing the show. This is how we work here. This is how we work. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is, uh, this is, this is good news. And maybe again, maybe not hot, hot take central, but it is, it is something to note. And I think a lot of people share the sentiment there. So at any rate, let's keep rolling here and hopefully my, my kids uh, <laughs> get corralled and we can, uh, we can continue on with, out some knocking on the door and some other children crying. I don't know. We'll see. Let's keep it rolling here, though. The Bengals and their schedule. This this kind of, this next one kind of ties into, in a way, what Peter Schrager's take was on Good Morning Football. And here you go. 
the Bengals, we kind of knew this too when the schedule started coming out and, you know, we saw the opponents and whatnot. The Bengals faced one of the toughest schedules in the NFL in 22, and I will pin this link in the live chats for you. Here you go. Just how difficult? Well, let's first of all, let's let's talk about who their opponents are. Of course, you've got the the two against Cleveland, two against Baltimore, two against Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh made the postseason last year despite all kinds of different issues. The Ravens did not, but were in it towards the very end. Cleveland was competitive, sort of, but a lot of injuries and all kinds of dysfunction disallowed them to, you know, really make a run later in the year. And so you've also got Buffalo, Tennessee, Kansas City, Dallas, Tampa Bay as the other side of um, their the schedule there. So, you know, there, there are a lot of tough games on, obviously, you know, those all of those teams right there that I listed, those five, all went to the postseason. So here's Warren Sharp here. Five hardest schedules here, um, you know, you, you can see the one through 32. Um, the the Chiefs, Jets, Rams, 49ers, Raiders have the hardest schedule. Um, but right now, the Cincinnati Bengals have the seventh hardest schedule in the NFL behind the Chiefs with the hardest, followed by the Jets, Rams, 49ers, Raiders, and Steelers. So if the Bengals are going to repeat as AFC champions and or go further, if they are to be in the playoff mix, they are going to have to do it against some very good teams. Now, here's the thing. Every time we say this and every time we start a season with, you know, oh, this is the hardest schedule. This is the easiest schedule. We know injuries happen with these teams. Expectations based on last year can vary and things just can go awry or there can, there are teams that could surprise. There are a lot of people who going into this season when they were facing the Bengals probably chalked that up to a win. Many teams probably did that at this point in the season and we know what happened there. So this, obviously this is kind of subjective at this point in time, but right now seventh hardest schedule in the NFL, the Bengals have that right now and uh, they'll have to, they'll have to traverse that for sure. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Yeah. Brian saying cakewalk. I like that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's keep it rolling. Now, Draft Talk Central. Draft Talk Central. The Bengals are doing their due diligence, meeting with a lot of different prospects and a lot of different capacities, going to pro days, working folks out, all kinds of stuff. If you remember when we previewed Trey McBride a couple of weeks ago, it was James Casey who was intimately involved in the workouts and whatnot of McBride at the Colorado State Pro Day. And now the Bengals are doing more in terms of – Visits, the top 30 visits, etc. Potential first round target, Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson, the physical active corner 
to visit the Bengals. This is a guy that they would probably like in a lot of different capacities. There are some medical things. It's my understanding here, but this is a guy, again, the top 30 visit I mentioned. Uh, Jordan Schultz mentioned, mentioned this. Uh, upcoming visits for Booth also include the Falcons and the Ravens, and you know the Ravens are going to load up on corner. We talked about that, I believe it was on last week's Happened in Headlines, where they are going to really, really evaluate their defensive back room is uh, are the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, you know, that's a team to watch if you're the Bengals and looking at defensive backs, and obviously the Bengals will be picking behind the Ravens and all kinds of different stuff, but... He is a junior, and he is 21 years old, does lack starting experience, and, um, you know, there's there's a core, you know, there were reports of him needing surgery for a core muscle injury. He was supposed to be one of those guys in the mid-20s, but the injury and whatnot could push him to the back end of the first, maybe even into the second, um, and then he did not participate in the Clemson Pro Day, leaving more questions there, so... We'll see exactly what happens. And this is, you know, when you're at pick 31 for the Bengals, you know, there's guys, well, maybe there's a second round grade on it. Well, you're practically in the second round if it's an early second round grade. This remains one of the top areas of need for the Bengals does cornerback, right? Cornerback, tight end, you can argue three technique, interior defensive lineman, and then, of course, edge rusher and whatnot. There are a lot of different needs i guess now none of them seem to be overly pressing because of what the Bengals have done in free agency you could also argue you know maybe a a line offensive lineman of some kind whether that's a true tackle a swing guard tackle a swing center guard a true center i mean those are all options as well but you got to figure corner is going to be in the plans early and booth is a guy that they will probably look at and obviously given the visit that they are scheduled to have with him so uh, and and as we noted, and if you go look at the Bengals' track record, a lot of guys they draft, a lot of guys they bring in as undrafted free agents. These are guys they have shown interest in and or visited with in some capacity. So they are, you know, they're in on a lot of these guys. And let's keep it rolling with some of the news here. I may, We talked about corner. Now let's talk about tight end. Isaiah Likely, the Bengals met with him at the Combine. Uh, and this is this is a guy that could intrigue them. Rise and drafts Ryan Roberts uh, said Cincinnati met with likely at the NFL scouting combine. He is the Coastal Carolina tight end. Um, you can see in 21 he had some big big numbers: 12 touchdowns, 912 yards. When you look at him, you look at what McBride did. McBride only had the one touchdown, but you know, had well over a thousand yards receiving. So, I mean, there are a lot of talented pass catchers at the position in this class. And you can see here though, did not test well in terms of the relative athletic score given to us by Kent Lee Platt, 484 RAS out of a possible 10. And you can see here he's 6'4", 245, 15 on the bench. So a little light and a little weak in terms of the relative athletic score. And then you see here, um, you know, he did have the athletic, the elite explosion in terms of vertical and broad jump. Not great on the 40-yard dash, though, 4, 4.8. So, you know, I mean, take that for what you will. Uh, you know, there's there's talk of him bulking up and whatnot, but a guy who could intrigue the Bengals 
Um, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, a pass-catching tight end, did have 12 touchdown catches last year. The Bengals met with him at the Combine. Now, Bengals are also set to meet a defensive lineman from Oklahoma, a school that they like to pick players from with some frequency. And here's the link here. I will put this. This is on cincyjungle.com as well. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, the Oklahoma defensive lineman, not not the basketball player, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Justin Mello of the Draft Network relays that news to us, and he played all four years but didn't really make a name for himself until his junior season, Um, had 12 tackles for a loss and seven and a half sacks. And, uh, you know, you can see here that he he ran a 4.7 second 40-yard dash. Um, So, you know, this guy could be one of those guys that uh, can can play at at a number of different spots, but a guy that, you know, doesn't jump out at the – on the stat sheet, you see seven sacks and 10.5 tackles for loss in his senior season. Um, you know, he, he is 6'5", so he's a big guy. Uh, so we'll see exactly what happens. Again, you see here, you see a day two or day three option. Maybe he's a guy that they look at. You know, the Bengals like to take defensive linemen, usually, um, if they're not the prime the prime first round guys. They like, to, they like to use round three picks, round four picks. You can go back into the Marvin Lewis era. Um, or as recent as last year with Joseph Osai getting a, a defensive lineman with that third round pick. So they may look at one of those rounds for a player like this, but they are meeting with Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma, another player that should be on their radar for some defensive line depth. Now, you Bearcat homers, you Bearcat fans, alumni of the University of Cincinnati, you're going to like this one. The Bengals are holding a top 30 visit for wide receiver Alec Pierce. Local favorite guy, um, and you can see here he really turned some heads with the forty-yard dash he had at two hundred eleven pounds, four point four one. So you know that was that. That's where he started to get some run here, and then you see he averaged seventeen point five yards per catch as a three-year starter. So kind of a big play guy here was Pierce, and one that the Bengals are looking at, and obviously an easy visit to make, given that he is a local kid here. He'd be their fourth receiver. The Bengals obviously lost Auden Tate from this group, and he would be a contingency plan, as you see here, um, if there is a an affordability issue down the road with Higgins and or Chase. So probably not a guy that would, um, I, you know, we'll see exactly what happens. That may be another sneaky position that the Bengals draft early because of the contracts that you're seeing guys at the wide receiver position get recently. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill and whatnot. Um, they're, they're getting some big, big numbers, obviously, with what Chase did last year, with what Higgins has done in his first two years. They're going to want to extend those guys and keep them as core players, but they're going to need to pay them. Oh, and by the way, Joe Burrow as well. So, you know, they may need to have some sort of plan here behind these guys to, you know, make sure that they are set up in the future we'll see but Bengals are using a top 30 visit they have planned one with alec pierce the bearcat and then they've got three other defensive prospects they are bringing in this is on cincy jungle as well so let's bring this on 
Alante Taylor, Michael Clemens. Um, those are those are a couple. And then uh, so you can see here they are they are really doing their due diligence. And oddly enough, after they've spent a lot in free agency the past two off seasons on the defensive side of the ball, they are going to still look at some things on defense. And you see Taylor's the cornerback from Tennessee. Two interceptions last season. Clemens is a guy who had 11 tackles for loss and seven sacks last year. Fumble recovery passes defended last year as well. And then, of course, they are bringing in Missouri State's Eric Johnson for Greg Alman. He's an NFL reporter. He did not get a combine invite. So this could be one of those guys that they use a late round pick on, a UDFA, and they use these visits to get to know these guys going into this process. So a lot of times when you look at the UDFAs, when you look at some late round picks, the Bengals have done some previous due diligence on this. And, and you know, Eric, Eric Johnson, a guy who didn't get a combine invite, could be one of those players here. Um, he did go to the collegiate, the NFLPA Bowl out in LA and, and the senior bowl, but was not invited to the combine six foot five, 300 pounds and got second team all Missouri Valley honors. So again, Eric Johnson, Missouri state defensive lineman. And then of course you got the Tennessee cornerback, Alante Taylor and Texas A&M's Michael Clemens as well, that are all set to visit the Bengals. That's wrapping up a little bit of the Bengals side of things. we got a little more coming on the back end. So we'll get to that. We're going to transition into the AFC North and some NFL talk as well in just a second here. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Get this show and the others on the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network on your favorite audio streamer. Leave us a review. And of course, if you like the video side of things, you can like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page or subscribe to our YouTube channel right down here. I promise Children are always knocking at the door or crying outside of where I record. That's a rarity, but today is an exception, unfortunately. Whatever. I love the little guys. It's fine. But I, I they 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 were knocking on the door. I don't I don't know exactly what was going on there. They wanted to be part of the show. Sometimes they do it. Who knows? At any rate, we appreciate your support. We appreciate you tuning in, whether it's for the live recording or after the fact on your favorite streamer. Let's keep it rolling with some AFC North talk here. Cleveland Browns. Unfortunately, this theme is a little bit of something that's dominating the headlines around the NFL. Former Browns running back coach Gary Brown passes away, unfortunately. He was with the Browns from 2009 to 2012, and there are some really standout performances in Brown's tenure. You see Jerome Harrison, you know, who had some nice moments with, with them. Jamal Lewis at the end of his career. Peyton Hillis, who had that outstanding season. Uh, Trent Richardson, who had a, a decent rookie year and then did not really do much after that. But uh, he was the Cowboys running backs coach from 2013 to 2019 and running backs coach last year at the University of Wisconsin. Um, unfortunately, he had been battling significant health issues. It was not noted as what, not that that's really any of our business anyway, uh, but has battled significant health issues since 2019 and had been in hospice care, only 52 years old. Very sad. And our condolences to his family, his friends, and the Cleveland Browns. 
as um, you know, former employee there and had some nice moments as a coach with the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns did make another acquisition recently, getting a quarterback from within the division, Josh Dobbs, former Steelers quarterback. And it is a one-year deal bringing in the former Pittsburgh quarterback to Cleveland. I don't know if this is anything that has to do with, you know, contingency plan in place. If they are expecting a Deshaun Watt suspension or whatnot, obviously there's uncertainty with Baker Mayfield. So they are bringing in Josh Dobbs, a one-year deal with the Browns via Mike McCartney. And he is the agent of Josh Dobbs. So that is going, that's, seems to be happening there. And that happened before the weekend. So Josh Dobbs moving from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Browns in a backup quarterback role with Cleveland. So they made a move there. Now, unfortunate, unfortunate news with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Really, really sad news. And we will preface it with this article because unfortunately this is kind of where things took place with Dwayne Haskins. The Steelers pass catchers and quarterbacks joined Mitch Trubisky in Florida for a workout. This is from behind the steel curtain, the SB nation Pittsburgh Steelers site. They were all down there and, and, you know, uh, through the weekend and whatnot, they were looking like they were having a pretty, pretty good time and, and getting some good work in and all kinds of stuff were, Steelers, quarterbacks, receivers, pass catchers, all kinds of things. And Trubisky kind of took the lead on that now as he has joined and as as of right now is the starting quarterback with Pittsburgh. He kind of took the the helm there and invited everybody down to the, the Florida area for the workout. And, of course, I think as everybody knows, whether you're an Ohio State fan or otherwise, um, unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins very sadly – passed away at the all too young age of 24, not even 25 years old yet. Um, husband, son, you know, I, teammate and very, very sad situation. There's some kind of some talk as to what the circumstances were. Uh, I won't really go into many details there other than to say that this is a very sad, sad thing, a very unexpected, awful situation uh, apparently he was part of that group with Mitch Trubisky and the pass catchers going down there and doing work and they were hanging out. There was shortly before his death, pretty, pretty sad. When you look at it now, pretty sad Instagram video posts where he's having fun with Najee Harris and the outfit that Najee Harris is walking around town with and they're laughing and having fun. And, you know, when you look at it that way, you like to think that he was, you know, happy, uh, shortly before his his untimely death, but it's also very sad to see now because obviously completely unexpected, freak, freak thing, and very, very sad. So our condolences to the Haskins family, to all of his friends, family, and whatnot. A very, very sad time for them, a very sad time for Ohio State fans, and really all of us who cover the NFL, not a good situation and not one we like to cover on shows like this. So um R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins. I know a lot of you wrote that in here. Stuart Monty writing it there. But anyway, we'll try and move on here. Unfortunately, a couple of bits of really terrible news to start off the AFC North news carousel. Let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens here. And 
you, you talked, we, we talked a little bit. This is on BaltimoreRavens.com, and I will pin this here in the live chats. This is from Ryan Mink from Baltimore Ravens, and this is what, what Mink thinks, uh, why this could be the year to trade up, and I won't go into big, big detail on it, but DaCosta said, their, their GM, obviously, Eric DaCosta, uh, saying the Ravens will remain a team that builds primarily through the draft. However, there is a way to pursue stars more aggressively within the draft. Baltimore could trade up, trade to move up in the first round. Um, and who knows, though, because they need some, they need help at, at the defensive back spot. They need some offensive line help and whatnot. Uh, they, I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive they are. They do have nine picks in the first four rounds, so that may be why they they package to move up for more premier players in those rounds instead of trying to go for that quality over quantity type of thing. But given the attrition they had from injury, quantity may not be a bad idea for the Ravens as well, just to make sure they've got an, enough able bodies and enough players to be able to, to get in there and go. So um, you, you see here Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley are two of the top cornerbacks. They're already mentioning them over there at BaltimoreRavens.com. So they are probably heavily, heavily looking at cornerbacks as we expect. Now, this is a little bit of, and this is from Baltimore B-Town, the Ravens site within the SB Nation network. Ravens signed Calais Campbell, the ageless wonder, to a two-year deal. I met this dude at the NFL experience prior to the Super Bowl, a couple days prior to the Super Bowl. This guy is massive. I mean, I think we all know that, but I just standing next to him and shaking his hand and everything. First of all, super, super nice guy. Smiling the whole time. Was talking to all kinds of different fans. Super nice guy. Uh, but absolutely massive dude. And anyway, two-year deal to stay with the Baltimore Ravens. He's had an outstanding career. Uh, he is 35 years old and six-time Pro Bowler. Big, big dude, and he is returning to the Ravens on a two-year deal here. So um, you can see here it, it includes $6 million guaranteed and has a maximum value of $16.5 million. Um, says there's, quote, unfinished business in Baltimore, said Campbell. So we'll see what happens there. But at any rate, he is remaining with the Baltimore Ravens on a pretty solid deal here. All right. More, this is sort of Bengals-ish a little bit because it includes one of their former players, albeit one at a very brief moment in time, Terrell Owens, T.O. And my big claim to fame is that T.O., I think he still does at least, follows me on Twitter. So uh, that's my big claim to fame, I guess. Anyway, T.O. suggests he could have made a difference for the Chiefs in the AFC title game. And this is on Arrowhead Pride within the SB the Chiefs SB Nation site. And you can see here, here's I was I was blowing up Andy Reid's phone. This was on the Pat McAfee show. I was blowing up Andy Reid's phone last season to bring me in. You insert me in that offense and I'm going to be a viable option. I, I will say when I met T.O., I'm trying to remember how long ago it was. I want to say it was a year or two after he was with the Bengals. So probably 2011, 2012 at that point he was in it. I think his mid to late thirties, I want to say, and he was working out at the NFL PA bowl on the field, doing drills and stuff. Dude, dude then looked like he could still easily play easily suit up for a team back then. 
I'm assuming he's still in fantastic shape and uh, you know, obviously he is up there in in age, but um, I I would assume he still takes very, very good care of himself and still runs around and does some different things. And I I don't know if this was actually going to be something that I don't, I don't think it was actually ever really in Andy Reid's mind, but really kind of, it makes you think back also to when T.O. was with the Eagles and how that whole thing went went about shaping up and whatnot but uh, he was blowing up Andy Reid's phone last season to bring bring him in you insert me in that offense and I'm going to be a viable option was the quote from T.O. and uh, an interesting one a funny one a guy who um, is never short on getting us some quality material and uh, he's he's a good guy he's a good guy for the most part I like I like talking some T.O. all right let's Talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield. What is the trade market on these guys here? I'll pin that there. This, the, these rumors just won't go away. Uh, the Jimmy G rumors and whatnot. Uh, are they looking to be traded? What's going on? All of this. I won't go into big, big detail on this, but the 49ers especially are really in, a, in an odd situation because they've got – and here's the thing. I mean, these are two guys that could both start somewhere and probably be effective to various degrees. I mean, as obvious, obviously the the Niners went far last year. Um, Mayfield took the Browns far the year prior. So, I mean, they're viable starting options in the NFL to varying degrees The the leverage both these teams have though, in terms of trading are not very high because teams know the Niners spent a premier pick on Trey Lance last year. He started a little bit here and there. They know that the Browns did that mega trade for Deshaun Watson. And what are you really willing to give up for Baker Mayfield when you know that they've got that situation waiting for them in terms of Watson? So uh, interesting here on CBS Sports. You can see, you can read more about that. But really, what is what is each QB worth? You can see here, not a whole lot right now. Quarterback market has largely been inflated this offseason. Seattle netted four picks and three players, including two first-rounders for Russell Wilson. Houston netted five picks, including three firsts for Watson. And the Colts essentially got a pair of third-rounders for Carson Wentz. But with the lack of leverage that I mentioned, they're saying, you know, maybe there's not much to gain from trading these two players. We'll see what happens, though. I assume both those players probably be starting elsewhere going forward all right let's move to ideal top two picks for every team this is on nfl.com and this is chad Ryder. The NFL analyst here. I thought this was kind of interesting. So you can see here, what are what are their, you know, when you just look at the AFC North, you see Baltimore Ravens, Devin Lloyd, a linebacker out of Utah, and Cam Jurgens. I know a lot of folks really like Cam Jurgens, the center out of Nebraska. And then, of course, you look down at the Bengals. Who were the two ideal in the first two rounds? Devontae Wyatt and Jelani Woods. So uh, this this is a little interesting because a lot of people have third or fourth round grades on Jelani Woods, a huge guy, a guy who's physical and catches the ball 
at the tight end position out of Virginia, but second round being there, some people might deem that a little bit of a reach there, but obviously the need I mentioned there. So, and then of course you've got the Larry Ogan Joby vacancy. So maybe that's where Devontae Wyatt comes in as a three tech. So I, I, what's interesting is personally, I would assume that Devontae Wyatt is, might be gone at that point at 31 overall and Jelani Woods, the guy who they're saying is an ideal fit in round two would probably be there and may be deemed a little bit of a reach if the Bengals went there at 63 overall. We'll see, though, still two players that could help the Bengals out in pretty good ways this coming year here. So check out that article, and you can see a lot of different stuff here. Now, when you look at the NFL landscape here, New Texans coach Lovey Smith is a believer in Davis Mills and expects big improvement from him in his second year. Here's the quote. Quote, if, if you look at all of my comments about Davis, I'm a believer in him and what he's going to do. Eventually, he's got to do it all on the football field consistently where everybody loves him, every snap, and all of that. Before a guy has played enough to do all of that, he shows up every day, availability. He is available, and he has recruited other players to come here. And what the guys see him doing is just working when i say i believe in him offensive coordinator pep hamilton second year in the system all of these things if you just go back and look at the plays that he made throwing the ball downfield last year so many good things that he did and that's as a rookie and obviously the the start at the end of the year where he put up some big numbers and whatnot uh they were you know that turned some heads did davis mills but uh, you can see here quote the improvement that you see from year one to year two is normally a big improvement, and that's what we're going to get from him. So big plans, it sounds like, from Lovey Smith and Davis Mills. They like uh, they like what they're seeing here with, with that. So to wrap it up, we're going to end here. Just a little bit of tidbit on Miles Sanders, the running back from the Eagles, taking it a little more personal, enter the final, deal, uh, final year of his rookie deal. I've got more to prove. Uh, he said via the Pro Football Network, a lot of people don't respect the work I've done. I've just got a lot. I've still got a lot to prove. I'm taking it real personal this year. Just find a way to get noticed, command the respect. I'm not taking no for an answer this year. Just stay healthy. Just be available. That's my main goal this year. So Miles Sanders, an exciting player for the Eagles, and, and the Eagles are kind of a tough team to figure out at this point because of you know Jalen Jalen Hurts and all kinds of different things. Uh, and Sanders is part of that. He's another second round pick that they like but a guy that is feeling a little slighted and wants to hammer out his long-term career path after being with the Eagles a handful of years. So that is where we're at with that. So at any rate, uh, that is going to wrap it up for us on the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Again, you got to keep it to cincyjungle.com for all of your news, opinions, analysis, all kinds of different stuff. Of course, your podcasts are there too. At any rate, we've been very, very pleased to bring you all kinds of different news. And hey, we've got a special episode for you tomorrow. We've got the host from Tigris Talk. I'm hoping all four. We may only get a couple of them, but Tigris Talk, the awesome podcast from some of the best Bengals fans out there. We're going to do a special listener questions live tomorrow. So you're going to want to tune in for that. You're going to want to submit your questions to us. It's going to be at a special time. Usually we do it Friday afternoons, you know, midday-ish or, you know, early afternoon and whatnot. We're going to do it tomorrow, tomorrow evening. So you got to get those questions into us. We'll turn it into a mailbag post on cincyjungle.com. So you won't want to miss that. And then, of course, we've got our Wednesday show with John Sheeran and myself. 
bringing you a lot of different stuff here. Of course, prospect profiles and all kinds of different stuff. Appreciate you and everybody else tuning in. Thanks, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. We'll see you the rest of the week with all kinds of different stuff. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Mm -hmm.